Are you ready to get real? Hello, and welcome to Real with MoxieWorks, where we discuss real estate news, tips, and of course, technology. Well, hi, everybody. It's York Bauer here, CEO of MoxieWorks, and welcome to the very first inaugural episode of Real with MoxieWorks, our, our podcast here. Glad you all could join us, and we're thrilled on our inaugural podcast to be joined by one Obi Jacoby, the co-president of Windermere Real Estate, uh, one of the, we believe at least, the leading lights of, of real estate, and we're excited to be talking with you today. Obi, how are you? Thanks, York. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate you making the time. You're a busy boy these days, as is everyone in real estate pretty much, us included. Uh, so maybe you can start by talking a little bit about your your way back background. I think people are somewhat familiar with you now, but they probably don't know how you got into the, the crazy game of real estate originally. Yeah, sure. I was born into it. And uh, you know, didn't have really much of a choice. My dad started the company in 1972. I was born in 1970, and so every dinner, vacation, you name it, we talked <laughs> about real estate. So yeah, um, I uh, in college actually worked in this building for Windermere Property Management. And for everybody's knowledge, we're in in sunny Seattle, right on the on the waterfront by the ferry terminal. If you've been here, that's right. Um, I worked here for all throughout college, and uh, then like. Everybody who graduates, who has the opportunity, goes to Europe and thought, when I came back, I'm never going back into real estate. <laughs> Couldn't quite find a job when I got back. So I uh, visited my old boss. And at the time, actually, kind of a weird story, the, the ground floor level here was for lease. And so I went to my old boss and said, who's going to lease that space? And he, uh, he said, somebody's looking at it um, for to be a bar, and I thought, oh, that would be a good way to get back with my dad. So I um, <laughs> promptly nice. opened a bar for a number of years. Wow. And then, uh, in 19- that qualifies you perfectly for real estate later. Then. That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> I learned a lot. And my sister came to me in 1995 and said, okay, you're being an idiot. Sell that thing and come join the family business. And that's kind of when I got in. So wow. I've had just about every job in real estate, except accounting. They won't let me in that door. <laughs> uh, me neither. Everything else, yeah. Yeah. Very good. Well, that's that's quite a story. And I think it's it's emblematic of real estate, it seems. Everyone has this wandering path that ultimately brought them either into or back to real estate. So yeah, that's cool. Well, I know that you and I share a passion, uh, and this, I guess, is our topic for the day, uh, around agent productivity. And I'll just observe that in some of the recent industry events I've been to, that it feels like it's finally coming into the conversation, the, the more mainstream conversations that the industry's having. And I think my personal view, at least, is that it's largely a function of the market slowing a little bit, which puts a little bit of pressure on things, and, and perhaps more over the, the, quote, disruptors or distractors, as I like to call them, that are causing people to have to look at their businesses maybe a little bit different than they did. So give us your, your high-level thought maybe on, on that. Um, yeah, I, it's a combination of a lot of things. Cost, I think, is increasing, obviously, every day. Space costs, specifically, and so when you have people who are not productive sitting around, that's expensive. Secondly, I think that people realize that the, it takes a lot to have productive people. It used to be you'd hire somebody and deal doctor, um, give them advice every once in a while, and nowadays you have to be a true coach. You've got to have a, the right training program coupled with the right technology platform that supports that training program coupled with 
having um, accountability. And that accountability factor is what new management, I think, is really looking at. I also think that, anyway, I think that brokerages are finally starting to think that it's not about the number of people, it's about the quality of the people that they have. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think it's funny, sales in real estate is often seen as being somehow fundamentally different. I, I come from a long background of not real estate, you know, software guy from way back. And it, to me, it, it's the same really in the way you, you just described really in all industries, you know, that, that training plus systems coaching model exists everywhere. Yeah. And to varying degrees, all industries have problems with non or less productive salespeople. If you could have the one person that could achieve the whole thing, that would be totally. the most efficient. But we tend to glue on a million salespeople in, in the hope that they do something and the hope is not a strategy. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And, and it really it starts at the very basic level of, of writing down what your goal is, which you know the vast majority of our industry still doesn't do. Um, but then you got to have a plan to achieve that goal. And that plan needs to be coupled with a, a coach that helps you follow it. Yeah, no, I agree. It's interesting you mentioned the goal thing. I, I joke about some experiences I've used around some of the charitable giving stuff we do internally by me doing a wacky thing like shaving my head or whatever. Goals motivate, and, and we've all known, always known that sort of anecdotally, but what we're finding now is we look at the data around the use of, in, in our case, our CRM, but I think it's probably true broadly across CRM. One of the things we find is that when uh, an agent specifies a goal, writes it down, whether that be on a piece of paper or electronically in a system, yep. just that one thing produces several percentage points in lift of that agent's performance. So just the act of declaring the goal yep. yeah. changes behavior. Totally. Uh, you know, we use, we obviously, I think, you know, we're heavy into Ninja. And I would suggest the same thing, that it's not it's not one training program that's the end-all, be-all. It's following one. Yes, that's right. And you said it earlier, I wanted to come back to it. It's aligning your technology to support, I think you use the word support, that training. Whatever choice you make. And I agree with you. And I don't know that, I mean, we're proud at Moxie, of course, of the stuff we make. But it's more the combination of. A, a competent technology with a competent training program and coaching on an ongoing basis. There are many combinations of that that can succeed, yep. and people have opinions about which one's better, but it's it's stringing those three things together because there is no silver bullet. Yeah, time. it's distracting when you have to go from your training platform to something totally drastically different in your technology platform to achieve those goals, whether it's goal setting or following through on your marketing plan. And it's for us at Windermere, it's much easier to have one platform that ties it all together than it is to go try and find all sorts of other things that tie it together. Yeah, and I think it's it's been fascinating for me. I'm six years in now to real estate, and I made a bunch of assumptions, as a lot of us do when we come into the business, that are just wrong. Because mm -hmm. it is it is weirdly different, I will have to say, than every other industries of uh, the industries I've touched in my career. But one of those things I will say it, that is is a good thing, if you will, from an opportunity standpoint, not just for us as a potential partner to brokerages, but for the brokerages themselves, there's a huge you know, untapped vat of productivity in the form of these things you're talking about. Because because the, the industry is under-trained, under-automated, and under-coached. And so I think there's a, there's a we don't necessarily need 1.3 million realtors, no, no, no. right? I mean, no, and it's even more so the control group of one manager typically doesn't manage 50 people in the world of business, right? right. Now, in, in our setting in real estate, it's 50 entrepreneurs and one person trying to manage that. And unless you have a system associated to how to manage what their goals are, how they're achieving those goals and everything else, it's like running, you know, it's herding cats, as the saying is in the industry. 
And it's true. And these are independent contractors for a reason. They don't necessarily want to come in and report to you every single day. But it, we found that it makes them more productive if they actually follow the systems that you have in place. Yeah, that's right. And I think, I think that's where the technology can help, too, because there's a lot of monitoring and automating and reporting and, and nudging that can be done that doesn't feel so onerous as the pointy-haired boss, if you will, you know, calling you out on something. Totally. Or what yeah. Well, what else have you found in the more recent window, let's say the last 12 months, you know, because it's constantly changing. So what, what do you think is, is different? And it, we're in, for those of you listening, we're in the uh, end of October of 18 years. You look into 19. Yeah. What's on your mind from 18 do you think is going to change what goes on in 19? So there's obviously a ton of noise right now in the industry. There's a, incredible amounts of money flooding into the industry, trying to disrupt it. And what I've found is, is number one, it's very distracting for people within our industry. Um, we all like to talk about what's going on a little bit more than focus on direct in the business stuff. And But the, the shift that I'm seeing is that, you know, back in the 60s, it was a, a very broker-centric uh, industry where the broker paid for all the advertising. The person came in on set hours. And it's just Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross-esque. Um, and then we moved into an agent-centric time where it was all about the agent, all about their brand, um, putting their names on the signs all over the place, um, and the brokerage becoming less and less of a brand. And now what we're finding is agents want to do co-branding with their brand, at least at Windermere, this is what we're finding. But mostly what they're looking for is help doing tasks and things that are, every, it's just a more complicated business. There's more things that you have to touch. And the more that we can help from a brokerage simplify that for our agents, I think that's what they're looking for. And so we're heavy right now. What we see 19 being is much more systematized, a lot more training around how to simplify their lives, whether we take on certain tasks for them or they learn how to use our technology in ways that are efficient. I think that's going to be the push for us in 2019, and I think that's what a lot of companies entering the market are promising, uh, more support for the agent population to just go out and be with their clients. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think, you know, for us as a technology provider, we see the same things. And by the way, we're subject to the same things. I mean, the level of disruption and competition for us in our, in the world of real estate technology has increased too, largely as a result yeah. of the funding you reference. And the iBuyer phenomenon is, is disrupting everybody and whatever. But I think, you know, one of the things that I, I often think back to myself is that, you know, why did the railroads fail, if you will? Well, they, they thought they were in the railroad business. They didn't realize they were in the transportation business. So as the, the modes and the regulatory stuff and the technologies changed, they, they lost the plot along the way. And I feel like real estate is, has the potential to, to be in the same spot, traditional real estate, because... Fundamentally, you're still trying to help a consumer get into a home or sell a home that they that they love as a part of their life. That's not changing. So yes, the modes and things around it are changing, but if we all stay focused on that goal, then to me it seems like you know the more things change, the more they stay the same. Yeah, totally. We're in the people business. We get to remember that. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, as a technology provider, we have to remember that. Meaning, we mm -hmm. it's not about the technology; it's about you helping you be better and your agents be better with the people right now. So, yeah. Any other thoughts for the, for the industry? Any, any things that you would appeal to? Cause we have an audience here that you would appeal to 
the uh, the industry on as a bit of a rallying cry maybe to get together on something? Well, you know, it's funny. I was meeting with somebody last night, and they were curious about our technology, our platforms, things like that. What do we offer our agents? Because there's a huge opportunity out there if we didn't. And the person that I was meeting with happened to be dating one of our agents. And so he was like, well, you guys should do this. I'm like, yeah, we do. Well, you guys should do this. Yeah, we, we do. You know, you guys should do that. Yeah, we do. You yeah. Know? And, and the, 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 what it really came down to is the agent that he was dating, it takes time to learn something and become proficient at it. I don't care what it is, right? And so for us, when you see adoption across the board at 20% or something like that, and then they come to you and say, you should offer it, you go, you shake your head like, oh, it's my internal marketing bad is my internal training bad is my the system to get them up and running bad i don't know what it is but that's the struggle that we have constantly is we can offer all the best tools in the whole wide world as long but if we can't get our agents to actually invest the time to use them then it becomes kind of why do it so you know the rallying company that i would have for our company or for the industry would be set aside some time and spend learning the product because it's going to make your life a lot easier and more efficient to go out and be with your clients, which is what ultimately you should be doing. Nobody makes money by sitting behind a computer. No. No, but they make a lot of money by sitting in front of their clients, but there's certain things that have to be done. And if they don't do them, then they won't have clients to go sit in front. So it's kind of a chicken and egg, and they got to go out and spend some time learning that stuff. I agree. And I think back to what you said earlier about the importance of training and coaching around the technology and that the, all that aligns is, is makes a difference here. What we find in our client base broadly is when the leadership, so you in this instance, when you take the position you just did and you understand all this stuff well enough to be able to articulate the why from the very top down through the organization. Because nobody wakes up going, geez, well, what can I learn today about pushing some buttons on something, right? <laughs> It's it's got to start with the motivation behind why you would do this thing in the first place, and then yes, you got to learn the button pushing and get familiar, as you said, make the investment of time. But I think the industry forgets often the why. They're looking for the shiny object to, yeah. you know, to wow people with, and, and that's a part of it, but it shouldn't be the start of it. Yeah, we are definitely a shiny object industry. Yeah, yeah. So we talked a little bit about the market slowing. What do you think that does to some of these these new models? And it, you know. No one has a crystal ball, et cetera. But what what do you think? If you're you're an independent, what would you say about how you view the coming years as there's a downturn? How do you think that affects? Because it's been a decade, right? It's a long time since we've had really any sort of correction. Yep, I am. Me personally, I'm looking forward to a balanced market. We've you know we haven't had a balanced market since oh shoot the late '90s, I would guess. Wow. And so we, we have little glimpses of balance when we're going way up and we're going way down. It's like right. one second, yeah, hey, right. back then it was balanced. And I think that's healthy. I think the market um, from Matthew Gardner, our economist, you know, he's sitting there saying, hey, we're going to see a business slowdown in 20 and it's going to be very bland. I think the stock market is doing a little correcting right now. And I think it isn't, you know, the industry tends to go heavy on personnel when we're expanding real heavy on personnel. And then obviously people start getting out of the industry when it starts to slow because they're not as productive as they should be. And I think they, it, I think that will happen this time too. And people start to focus on the pr productivity of their agents and make sure that those people are earning a good living and having a decent life and doing all those things. So 
you know, as we start to slow, I think that becomes a bigger focus for people running companies. Um, so I, I personally think it's all good. Yeah, and I, if I string together what you just said there with excuse me, some of your comments earlier, you talked about the expensive space, the expensive non-productive people, therefore, in, in a larger space that was needed. Do you believe that there will be, for lack of a better term, some Darwinism that, that comes? As Honestly, I hope so. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that when you see offices that have 250 people and one manager, kind of, you shake your head and you go, is that sustainable and should it be? And should everybody's uncle's cousin's brother work in the industry? <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a, there's a sad saying out there, throw a rock and you'll hit a realtor. Yeah. Hey, come on. We don't need this many people. There's tons of business for everybody, but we certainly don't need 1.3 in NAR and another million of non NAR people out there. So. Yeah, no, I agree with that. I mean, we have a, Approximately a realtor every 300 people in the U.S. It's just it's unnecessary. Yeah, uh, and that's every man, woman, child, not even the homeowner or buyer. <laughs> so, what about some of these new models? These and and obviously a lot of them are experiments. Time will tell. But what yeah. would you say about them as and and your perspective as as a traditional mainstream independent broker going into a downturn? What how would you view that? Time will tell, certainly. iBuyers is something that's interesting. Um, it it kind of, tell you the truth, it gave me a little bit of pause when Realogy announced that they were going to jump into that market too. I was kind of like, aren't you a broker-centric company? I, I don't quite understand that one. And I think to get stuck with a bunch of inventory, unless you have deep investor pockets that are willing to sit those out and rent those homes and, or take losses, um, that model certainly will slow a little bit as well. It'll, time will tell exactly what's going on. We had a product here locally where somebody, a company could turn a would-be buyer into a cash buyer within seven days. Well, that's nice in an expanding market that with no inventory, but now so it, looks so it doesn't look so great. Yeah. Like, you know, okay. So I think those companies will evolve and we'll see where it goes. You know, it's it's interesting that SoftBank would go and invest in a broker-centric com- company and a non-broker-centric company. Come on, who's my master here? Right. I just don't get it. But yeah, well, I think you said a time will tell. I, I feel like a lot of these things are experiments, and the fear the fear I feel back from the industry and the customers and people that I talk to is is there's this fear that it's just going to overwhelm the industry, that any one of these given things is going to overwhelm the industry. My personal view is that it will ultimately end up being a combination of many things, and and some of these things that feel so huge might end up being relegated to niches as the experiments play out. Well, you know, you see some of these investments, you go, hey, there's one company that's raised $1.2 billion. They're a traditional real estate company. Yes. I mean, okay, so what? Yeah. Um, you know, why are we shaking our head at some of these investments that are so significant? I mean, I, I get it. There's a lot of new business models and there's a lot of stuff going on. But really, focus on what you do well and you're going to do it well. Yeah, that's right. And, and focus on what you control. I, one of the things I have to say, and, and we're subject to this too in our own company but because it's a human behavior thing. But the tendency is to focus on all these things that are well beyond your control yeah. and agonize and gnash teeth and wring your hands. The reality is if you, and you just said it, if you stick to your net, if you define what you're going to be about and you do that well, it's not guaranteed success, but you're going to have a much greater likelihood of succeeding than if you spend all your time worrying about stuff you can do nothing about. Yeah, good question. I mean, it's an infrequent, complicated, emotional 
transaction. Home ownership's increasing, but so is the time frame that people are staying in a home. You know, we've gone from seven years to 10 years. It's a hard thing to do. And all we got to do is stick to what we do best. Yeah. So, Obi, you guys have enjoyed a lot of success over a longer period of time at Windermere. And I have my own theories as to why that's the case. Some of which, by the way, you've talked about here. I think you've done a good job of stringing together training and, and systems and coaching so that the agent can be more productive, more successful. Therefore, they, they stay and they recruit others. But if you had to summarize your success and your ongoing success through not only this latest chapter of disruption, but all the ones that came before, what would you, what would you say about Windermere that way? This is a really easy one for me. It is all about our people. Um, we're lucky enough to be a franchise company that has local ownership, that runs and operates their office where they live, and they care deeply about their community and about the people that work for them locally. Uh, we don't try and be a company from on high where we tell everybody what to do. We just offer support and a system um, a network that makes sense for a lot of people. We have a franchise agreement that is a six month out um, and we have independent contractors working for us. So we have to work our ass off at making sure we are doing everything that we can do to make somebody successful. And I think that starts from us at the top at our, at our corporate franchisor level all the way down through the individual owner and the staff that they have at their office. And hiring the right people, making sure they are productive and that doesn't do us a whole lot of good because we're a capped model. So productivity to me, that's great. From a company standpoint and a monetary standpoint, that doesn't do anything for me. What it does is it makes my agents and my owners really happy people, that they're living the lives that they want to live and they're supporting the network that we have in place. And so that, you know, I will always tell you that it's all about our people. Yeah. And I, I've experienced that myself in, in work with you and, and your network. And the six month out on your contract, I just want to come back to that. Pretty amazing in, in an industry that typically is five or 10 years of lock about kind of a mentality. I'll follow on to that. And I'm a big fan of think globally and act locally. And, and I have some insights into what you guys do from a charitable giving standpoint. Can you talk about that for a minute? Yeah. I, um, you know, our kind of what I just said about how our owners live and breathe in the communities that they have their offices. We, um, we have a foundation. We have um, we collect a, a transaction fee on every transaction that goes to the Windermere Foundation. The coolest part about our foundation is that 65% of the giving um, is over and above that transaction fee. Last year, we raised about $2.4 million, and we have a 2% admin fee, uh, which is unheard of for foundational um companies or for charitable companies. Those dollars go directly back to the office in which they're raised and given back to the communities by the people in the office. We don't have a say in where those dollars go. So it's a really, really good way for our people to stay involved in the need of the communities. And we think it's a, a really big cultural aspect of who we are as a company. Yeah, I agree. And it, it just so underscores all the other stuff you, you talked about. And and this is not new, right? It's been around a long time. You raised quite a bit of money. 30, 32 years, and I think we've raised uh, $38 million so far. Dang. Man, that's, that's, that's impressive. Yeah, I think we're in, you know, here in Washington State, I think we're 16th largest uh, foundation in the state, right behind wow. Starbucks. Dang. That's pretty good. <laughs> well done. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. <laughs> Our people give back. Yeah, yeah, no, that's great. Awesome. Well, I've uh, 
I've really enjoyed this, as I usually do when I talk to you. So thank you for your willingness and your openness to uh, to talk to not only me, but uh, the collective audience out there. Looking forward to doing more of this sort of thing down the road with you and others. And uh, with that, I'm, I'm going to sign us off out there in the audience. Hope you've enjoyed this first edition of Real with Moxie Works, and we'll look forward to talking again on the next one. Take care. Thanks for getting real with us. See you next time.